Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Lateral Show. Fasten your seatbelts, because here we go. And today we are talking about the NFC North. Yes, the NFC North, not any other division, because the other divisions are going to be discussed in other episodes because it's a series. That's kind of the point. You know, it's like one episode at a time and then together. At any rate, I got some friends to talk about it with me. First, introducing from Football Guys, Dave Kluge. What is up, my dude? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, man, we've done uh, quite a few shows together now over the last year, you know, just getting to be friends at this point. Looking forward to another fun one with Herms. Uh, but yeah, anyone that's listening, go ahead, follow me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's Dave K-L-U-G-E, and you can see everything I'm up to right there. One hundo, my guy. Oh, dude, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And we have another friend. You know him from his work at Fantasy Pros. His podcast fits on fantasy and a bunch of other stuff. His name is Pat Fitzmorris. Hello! Herms, great to talk to you again. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for having me on. And uh, great to talk to Dave, too. I know he's a Bears fan, and I'm really supposed to hate him, but I, I can't. Dave's too nice a guy. So You know, we actually did a really fun show, Fitz, uh, in season, right before the Bears-Packers, where we got to talk a little bit about it. So um, I actually want to go back and re-listen to that one and, and check it out and kind of see some of the takes that we laid at the time. I remember one thing I said on that show was that I expected Darnell Mooney to supplant Allen Robinson as the wide receiver one. And you know, it certainly took some injuries to get there, but um, that, that was one of the calls that I was uh, I was a little proud of last year. Spot on. Man, dude, look at you getting that call correct, Darnell, to the Mooney. What, what a guy. Dude, I will never get tired of saying that. That's one of those phrases <laughs> where it's just, I get so Perfect. much endless fun out of it. But I don't know, man. Just speaking of endless fun, this show is going to be endless fun, as is the rest of this series. So for the listeners, the basic premise of this is to kind of look back at the 2021 season kind of you know revisit some things that went well what didn't go well for each team and then look ahead to what could happen in 2022 some questions we still have some things that you know i don't know all sorts of things we're looking into the future it's february we have nothing else better to do oh my gosh it'll be great so i figured nfc north i'm not gonna just break it down by myself that's why i invited these two fine guests we got a bears fan a packers fan i will break down my view of the minnesota vikings and then we will get into the detroit lions of whatever the fuck's going on there at the end so i believe on my show sheets i have it with pat going first up with the green bay packers the first question that i laid out is what went well for the packers in the year 2021 well herms uh so aaron Rodgers just took home the hardware as the mvp of the national football league and i guess <laughs> i guess no surprise there but um yeah, so it was it was still a pretty highly functioning passing game. Uh, they led the NFL in in total passer rating, and that includes a pretty terrible game from Jordan Love. So um, you know, just efficient, uh, efficient passing. Devonte Adams was a beast. You know, 123 catches, uh, 1,553 yards, 11 touchdowns. Just you know, uh, 
clearly one of the most impactful wide receivers in the game if if not the well i guess cooper cup was the most impactful this year but uh he was pretty good <laughs> yeah adams adams was not too bad running shotgun i think is the the number two most impactful and um you know aj dillon i think was kind of a hit for them this year like um it actually does help to be able to have that sledgehammer back in the cold weather, I think, towards the end of the season. Like, that's kind of a cliche thing, but it's pretty true. And, um, you know, Dylan, 803 yards on the ground, uh, five touchdowns. Surprisingly, for a dude who caught 21 passes in three years at Boston College, like he was crazy efficient as a, a pass catcher this year. Oh, 34, yeah. 34 catches on 37 targets. He actually averaged 8.5 yards per target, which is Ooh. pretty, yeah, oh. that's for a running back. That's pretty amazing. Um, so like that well, worked I out. I can't they remember were... who his quarterback was in, in college, but I got to imagine that catching passes from Aaron Rodgers is slightly easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he had a single catch his first year at Boston mm-hmm. College, and yet they did run him a lot of the time. So, you know, some college programs, it's just not part of the game. Like, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers, my guys, uh, didn't throw to Jonathan Taylor at all his first two years, which was kind of a, you know, it seems like a bit of an oversight. Get get a dude like that <laughs> the ball in the face. So, um, but yeah, that, that all sort of worked with Dylan, and he actually had like, quite a few more touches than Aaron Jones down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out next year. And then, um, you know, like just the offensive line, despite not getting David Bakhtiari back from the uh, torn ACL, which happened to him on, I think it was New Year's Eve day in 2020. So they don't get him back at all in 2021, save for uh, about half of the Detroit Lions game in week 18. Um, and then like his knee apparently swelled up like a grapefruit after he came back and tried to play like he had all this fluid on his knee. So he wasn't able to go for them in the playoffs. Um, but they also lost Elton Jenkins, their second best offensive lineman. He only played about half the season and, uh, they just had all these dudes step up. John Runyon, Lucas Patrick, uh, Yash Nijman, um, and, uh, you know, their offensive line coach was kind of an unsung hero, Adam Stenovich, a uh, Wisconsin boy. So I think he was from Marshfield, Wisconsin. So Hey, they, uh... shout out Marshfield. What's up if you're listening? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, generally the offense did work pretty well. Um, you know, should I get into what went wrong, I guess, or, or what didn't? Or I mean... Gonna... Unless Dave has anything he would like to share about the Packers. Yeah. I know this is not exactly the topic that you like talking about the most. In fact, it's probably your least favorite topic of anything in the world. But, you know, you know. I, I actually I, I've been watching the Packers my entire life being an, you know, Bears fan. I'm, I'm watching NFC North game. So I actually gonna have yeah. a, a question for you, Fitz. Um, sure. One of the, the early takes that I'm putting out there that might be a little bit spicy, but I don't really think it is. I've got A.J. Dillon right now ranked ahead of Aaron Jones in the 2022 season. How do you feel about that? I feel like we could see a changing of the guard. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones, I think that he's going to be a little bit more volatile week to week. I think he's still got the sky high ceiling, but it looked like the Packers really showed a commitment to AJ Dillon this year. Yeah, I don't think that's too hot. Uh, like I've got right now, I think I've got Jones like 20 and Dillon 24. And I like, I've really kind of questioned that, Dave, because like if you look at the breakdown down the stretch of, of snaps, carries, touches, like, 
you know, Dylan was getting more work than Aaron Jones down the stretch. And I'm trying to figure out if that was just a cold weather thing. Like, is that uh, circumstantial? I mean, was Jones completely healthy? Um, that, that might be a trend. Like they might think his, the bigger bodied guy gets more of the work. Um, and I think like, like you alluded to his pass catching too, you know, you thought that yeah. on any passing downs, he'd get pulled off the field for Aaron Jones, but he showed some pretty good talent as a pass catcher. So I think we're going to see him a little bit more heavily involved next year. I mean, I I've been a huge fan of that kid's talent since he was drafted and then seeing the success he had last year, I think we could see a huge, huge step forward from AJ Dillon. Yeah, Quadzilla, man. He is a fun hey, dude for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Workout world, Quadzilla. <laughs> yeah, man. And like, I got to say, I think that was kind of like my big thing too. But, you know, because, you know, Dave, you know, got in the question first, but hey, it doesn't matter who asked the questions as long as we get the answers. AJ Dillon is kind of that dude where it's like, and it's been said this entire time we've been talking about it, the really underrated part of his skill set, or perhaps even unknown part of his skill set, being the fact that he can catch the ball makes that whole thing super fascinating. But I'm sure in the, you know, looking forward portion, we'll kind of get more into that. But what went wrong? Because even for a good season, every team has something go wrong. And you kind of talked about some of the injuries, but just even more beyond what didn't quite work out for the Packers. Yeah, can I mention the special teams, even though it doesn't have a fantasy application? I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, the special yeah. teams were just comically bad, yeah. comically yeah. bad. And like, as a Packer fan, it was frustrating that uh, Matt LaFleur just kind of had his head in the sand as far as that. Like, it, this was, we saw this coming and it was like, you know, all my friends who are Packer fans talked about this. Like, what are the chances, like, some special teams glitch doesn't knock us out of the playoffs? Like, we we knew it was coming, man. Oh, and it, no. It oh, happened. No. So we get, you know, a, a field goal and a punt blocked. And those are the, in a game where we, you know, as John Paulson, my buddy for four, from four for four.com, like he showed me the like 49ers offensive statistics from that game. He's like, if, if I would have shown you this before the game, what would you have thought the final score would have been? I would have been like at yeah, 27 to six Packers, you know, and, oh, no. um, you know, the, the defense played so well against the 49ers in that game and, and the special teams were just horrible as they had been all season. I, I was laughing the other day. Cause like Desmond Howard was, trending on twitter and i'm like why is he trending someone posted a question like who would win a game between the uh the 1996 packers and the 2020 packers and people were saying that desmond howard would have five kick return touchdowns against the 2020 <laughs> packers oh, it's probably true um anyway so yeah special teams were a disaster offensively i mean like they still don't have the supporting wide receiver help they really need. Like Alan Lazard is, yep. is functional. I mean, he's efficient. If you look at his yards per target, that's okay. He had eight touchdowns. He he blocks his ass off. Like he's one of the best blocking wide receivers in football. But you know, he's not a he's not a playmaker. I mean, he's just there, there's not much after the catch. Um, you know, he's not a big separation guy. He's not a burner by any means. MVS can be that burner, but, you know, he played only 11 games. He's always going to be hit and miss. Um, you know, Randall Cobb didn't do too much. And, like, they didn't have anything at tight end either. Like, that's a need for them. They, uh, you know, Robert Tunyon tore his ACL halfway through the season, but wasn't having a good year anyway. Like, he was falling back down to earth after the surprise double-digit touchdown season of 2020. Uh, Josiah DeGuara, who they wasted like a third round pick on 
couple years ago. Like basically just a fullback. Pretty yeah, much. <laughs> and Mercedes Lewis, who's like 38 or whatever, and just like I know he's a great locker room guy and also a great blocker, but like you know he, the dude can't move anymore. Like his fumble against the 49ers on their second series was kind of a killer oh, too no. in the playoffs. Like they, yeah, yeah, it was man. Like they had scored, get the ball and score right away. Drive down, get the ball back, and they're driving. And Mercedes Lewis fumbles, and like the offense just stopped working after that. So anyway, um, yeah, more more help for Devonte Adams. Yeah, man, and you know I. I've kind of had this theory for a long time in terms of like what Alan Lazard has is what Marquez Valdez Scantling lacks and what Marquez Valdez Scantling has Alan Lazard lacks. It's like they have that really good number two. Unfortunately, they're just put into two separate human beings bodies. If we could find a way to just fuse them together <laughs> to be one yeah. athlete, we'd be doing stuff, baby. We'd be cooking with gas, but like, and it's something that gets talked about honestly like every draft season at least for the past however many years where it's like you know the the Packers do it very well every year so you know picking in the later you know part of the first round it's just like okay well this pretty talented receiver might be able to fall down to him of course the Packers are gonna take him what would stop them from doing that it's just like well I mean you could take Jordan Love in the first round instead or you could do this it's like I don't know it's weird and like yeah this has been a need for them for quite some time and it's like Oh my gosh. I mean, like, do you think this is the year they actually go for that? Or is this going to be one of those things? Maybe they just try and solve it low key, you know, maybe free agency or like another tiny trade being like, ah, I know what'll fix it. Randall Cobb again, but years later, like, like how do you kind of see them piecing that together? If at all. So I think they are going to draft someone because they are pretty <laughs> snug up against the cap. I don't think they really have the wherewithal to go out and sign a free agent receiver. So um, and and this time there are enough first round worthy uh, wide receivers that they're going to get someone falling to them at, uh, you know, the bottom of the first round, whether it's, I don't know, Drake London or Chris Olave or, or Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams. I saw Jamison Williams get mocked to them by someone Ooh. the other day. So, yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. Um, they do kind of need a speed guy, like some sort of lid lifter. Uh, but I, I kind of think, yes, this is their year, although they're probably going to need an edge rusher, too, because they might have to get rid of Preston Smith and Zadaria Smith to, to alleviate some of these cap hassles. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's one of the unfortunate things about real life football, because it's not just like Madden, where as soon as you run into cap issues, you can just simply trade these people away to whatever computer owner just wants to give you the highest draft picks possible. Like there's a lot you just have to be able to maneuver. It's very difficult. Oh, my gosh. And then I don't know. I mean, as far as tight end goes, I mean, like I don't it's probably a little too early to ask too much of a detailed question. But like just speaking right now in the early part of February, do you even think the Packers tight end is going to matter for fantasy at all? Probably not. Probably not. Cause it's going to be the same thing. I mean, there's, there aren't going to be, I don't think they're going to get one of the impact free agents. Uh, you know, I don't think they're getting, they like tight ends who can block. So I don't think they're going to sign Mike Kosicki. Um, you know, I, I don't know who else is Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I it don't see them fantasy relevant tight end in green Bay since you're Michael Finley. It's, it's know, been a it's, long yeah. time. It has. I mean, <laughs> other than the Tunyon, 
like fluke touchdown right. season. But yeah, right. for as far as like an actual guy who, you know, counted on for a lot of yardage and receptions. No, there really hasn't been. And I mean, that was kind of the thing that like, oh, Rogers doesn't like throwing to tight ends. Uh, you know, I don't know if the, the fluky Tunyon season dispelled that, but like it's kind of been the case that there really has not been a guy since your Michael Finley. You're right. So, so I live out here in Colorado and I got to tell you, every person that I've talked to just, you know, they're, they're ready to order their Broncos Rogers jerseys already. So, so what, what do you think about this? I mean, there, these rumors have been going on for a couple of years now that Rogers is unhappy in green Bay. This is his last year here. I mean, do you think that this is actually going to happen this off season or is he going to be back in green Bay? Does he retire? There's so many avenues he could take. Yeah. So guys, I mean, that's like, we've talked about what went right, what went wrong. And and now it's like, what, where do they go from here? And I, it totally all starts with Rogers. And like, there was also, I think someone, um, you know, I wasn't watching the awards show too carefully the other night, but apparently like he made some sort of reference, like it's been a great 17 years or yeah. something. And the kind of reading he into it. it was a little kind of, you know, retrospective kind of like, yeah, his choice of words were definitely a little bit kind of a goodbye, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And like, was it a goodbye just to the Packers or was it a goodbye overall? Because it's not like, you know, Rogers can just walk like he can't walk away unless he retires. Something would have to happen. They'd have to work mm -hmm. out a trade. Um, but, you know, might he walk away now that like with the COVID stuff, he's been kind of fitted for the black hat in the public eye. And like, does does he want to deal with that? Like, I mean, you know, some players would kind of like lean into that. Uh, I don't know if Rogers is that guy like would he maybe want to call it quits? And I know a friend of mine like thinks that like, no way is he going to retire the same year Brady goes in and like want to play second fiddle to Brady at the hall of fame ceremony yeah, in yeah. five years. And like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if that matters to him that much. So we'll see, man. I'm like, I hope he doesn't retire. If, if we're going to get rid of him, at least I want to get the compensation for him. You know, I want to get the draft picks and uh, you know, Jerry, Jerry Judy. Judy, exactly. <laughs> you know, bring these, bring these guys to uh so yeah like i know i know denver probably would be the most likely dance partner in a trade and like i've i've there seen were the like titans rumors though just just last week they were yeah, saying that, that you know there was smoke with the titans so yeah apparently he bought land in in the nashville area or something like that so yep. um yeah like i don't know what's going to happen there and and then so what are the and I, I posted something about this after the loss to the 49ers. Like, you know, either I'm kind of ready for the rebuild. Like if, if we choose to do it, like take that bounty from the, the Broncos and get Judy yeah. and these picks and, uh, you know, like whatever else you can get from them. Albert O, Draymond Jones is a pretty good young defensive lineman. Whatever we can get. And then give it a shot with love i guess what other choice do you have if he sucks we're going to be yeah. we're going to have a bad year and we're going to be positioned pretty well in a, a great qb class in 2023 fine you know if if we go uh 3 and 14 under under jordan love like you know give us cj uh well, cj stroud out cj stroud bryce young whatever yeah, yeah. yeah. There's plenty of ways they can go with that. And like, I think 
you know, like, because even to your point about like Aaron Rodgers kind of being like the first like big domino that kind of has to fall. If they do lean into the rebuild and go with Jordan Love, if I remember correctly, the Aaron Jones contract is structured as such that it wouldn't be like right now this year, but at the end of the 2022 season going into 23, I believe they have an out. So there are a lot of ways that they can continue to get that ball rolling to get things going. So you know, between all of that and the fact that even what the offensive coordinator took the Denver Broncos head coaching jobs, you know, there are a lot of people moving on in that regard. I don't know. I mean, how good do you feel <laughs> about the future? You know what I mean? The scale of one to 10, one being like, there's a decent chance I'll never watch this again. Or 10, like, oh, it'll be fine. It's going to be great. And I'll just, you know, like, honestly, because again, like the point of this is bringing on people who are fans of the team that follow this closely way better than I do. So just... Where do you see this heading? Yeah, so I mean, I like a six. Uh, I mean, I'm still even if we. All right, it's not bad. The the one thing that would really snuff out my hopes would be if he retires and we we get nothing and he just walks away and then we're we're screwed. (laughs) Like that would be the the one thing that would just uh, be a complete disaster for the franchise. But otherwise, like I'm I'm happy if we go into the rebuild. Like that's fine if we get some extra picks and. Um, you know, I know we're not probably not going to fall ass backwards into a third straight hall of fame quarterback, (laughs) but, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I know all these other teams, uh, look what Kluge has to go through with the bears and the the quarterback dance (laughs) that they've been going through. Look at what the Vikings have to do. We're like, there are people defending Kirk cousins. Like, you know, I'm like, God, Kirk cousins is like the worst fucking big game quarterback in the world and Ain't like, that the truth <laughs> yeah I mean, i'm still trying to tell people that jay cutler was a good quarterback 10 years yeah. later <laughs> so i mean like yeah uh whatever whatever will be will be i guess you guys you know like it's it's time and if he does come back for for one more you know like i mean they i think they go right back to being favorites in the nfc for for next year yeah. if somehow they work it out with them for yeah. you know among the favorites and I also know 13 and three season 13 and four 14 and three. I mean, they're, they're just going to do it again without, with Rogers. You know that you're getting at least 12 wins every single season right now. Yeah. 100%. That guy's incredible, but also a kind of, it's been a little bit discussed, I think, but probably not as much as I think people kind of need to really kind of address it now. Devontae Adams also a little bit of an uncertain future. Now I know he's kind of expressed somewhat of a desire, at least my understanding Pat, you're going to give a better answer than I can, but I've kind of heard it's just like, well, you know, he'd kind of like to maybe go with Rogers wherever. I don't know how true that is. I've also heard people speculate like, well, he and Derek Carr played together at Fresno state. Maybe that would be a fun reunion, but there's also the possibility that they could just franchise tag him and Devontae Adams just sticks around and he's stuck with Jordan Love. And I know that, you know, including myself, because, you know, I consider myself to be a little bit of a Devontae Adams stan. Whenever people are like, oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a nightmare. Huh? Like, you know, you can point at that year where he had to play those games with Brett Hundley and it wasn't that bad. Devontae Adams was still able to produce, but just, I mean, kind of like, where are you at with him? Because that's something that, oh, it, He's he's my keeper on my home league. So like I really <laughs> I need to make yeah. sure that my number one receiver in my home league is gonna be fine. They are gonna tag him. Like I, I will bet whatever uh minuscule amount is in my kids' college fund right now that they are gonna tag him. Like that's that's a done deal. And I know like I've seen headlines that the Bears might kick the tires on Devontae. They're tagging him. It's it's just it's 
a done deal. Like that's going to happen. You, you can't, they're not going to let that guy walk away. Um, you know, unless, unless they maybe work him into a, a Rogers deal that seems far-fetched, but who knows? Um, yeah. We'll, and then we'll talk about Allen Robinson in just a bit, but I, I got to say, man, franchise tag and a wide receiver that doesn't want to play for the team is a very slippery slope. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that good points. Good points. Uh point well taken. It did not work out for Allen Robinson. Uh, <laughs> no, it did not. Yeah. So, but that is the way they're going to go with him. No question. And, uh, but yeah, like if he has to play without Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's going to, suck for you herms as as the guy who's carrying over adams as a keeper like it's going to be a big hit yeah it's it's going to be brutal so i guess before we turn it over to dave just uh kind of just like really early predictions like where do you just feel about general range you don't have to give an exact number but just like aaron jones aj dillon Devontae adams and then I guess if you're going to just help I mean, super flex people, how they should view Jordan Love, just the key guys, kind of where you have them now for 2022. Yeah, I just I don't think Jordan Love has shown us enough that he can be anything. But like if if he is is the starter, if Rodgers goes, I don't think Jordan Love is a top 24 quarterback. I think he's anyone who starts in super flex has has value, but that would be pretty low level value, even in super flex, I think. And, uh, you know, would certainly hurt the value of all the Packers pass catchers and even, uh, you know, Dylan and Jones with the hit they take in their touchdown potential. I think right now I've tentatively got them both as like, you know, mid range to back end running back twos for next year with Rogers. I think they both slide into like running back three territory. If, if Rogers is gone. Okay. Well, 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 well. It is now that we turn it over to Dave for the Chicago Bears. And I got to say, a little bit, you know, kind of in reference to something that Pat tweeted, I firmly believe that Devin Hester should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that. What a, you know what? And, like, I get, you know, it's just, ah, the kicker turner and the blah, blah, blah. He was the best. He was the best, damn it. The lateral is a pro Devin Hester show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm looking at that. was it was it you pat that tweeted that like yeah, i'd like to see some analytics about how that, that was you that tweeted that last night right I, that, that was, was a response to someone where they're all right yeah and, and and it got me wondering and i was trying to look it up and i couldn't find any of the information i'm sure somebody has it out there somewhere but i really want to know where their starting uh field position was during that time with Devin hester because even when he wasn't taken into the house oh. it seemed like he was still bringing every kick back to the 30 or 40 yard line or they were kicking out of bounds or they were pooch kitchen it kicking it so um, it, it seemed like during that Devin Hester era, I can't remember them ever starting a drive inside their own 20 yard line. So I, yeah. I'd be interested to see what that starting field position was during those, those years. I mean, Herms is a baseball guy. Like I, I they should have some sort of war thing wins mm -hmm. above replacement for football players. And I, I would like to see, you know, I, I, no doubt, no doubt in my mind, Hester's war of any kick returner of all time would be the highest, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, ultimately, I just like, you know, I, I understand the people who wanted him in, who, who want him in the hall. And I, I do think eventually he will go. He'll be the, the rate. Hopefully he doesn't have to wait as long as like Ray Guy or whatever. But like yeah. there are certain guys, I mean, who I think who had such an impact and were like so such household names. Like I'm I'm not 
I don't know. I, I came off like this way on Twitter that like, I'm all about the, the value and this, like, I don't want to be a total purist. Like I, I think that, you know, like hall of fame, like the fame should matter. And Devin Hester was a very famous player and, you know, made a lot of splashy plays. I think Adam Vinatieri should be in the hall. Cause you know, yeah. it's some epic kicks that right. people are going to remember that like, you know, kicks that rattle throughout history. You know, so. And you also have to look at the full player. And as fun as Devin Hester was as a kick returner, he was abysmal as a receiver. I mean, he yes. was just absolutely yes. terrible as a receiver. So yeah. that is a big knock against him that a lot of people don't really yeah. want to talk about. But he was just absolutely terrible as a wide receiver. Yeah. So I'm, I'm good with him getting in, just like not first ballot, man. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll have to wait on that. And we'll have to wait and see how things go for the Bears' future in the year of 2022. But first, we have to look back at the year of 2021. And I know that this is not your <laughs> – you tweeted out earlier how offensive it was that the premise of this is that I had to force you to think about what went well for the Bears. <laughs> but if you have to come up with a list of something, please tell me what those things were that went well for the Bears in 2021. I mean, they drafted Justin Fields. That was uh, that was pretty freaking yeah. cool. They traded up in April, and yeah, you know, they got Justin Fields. Um, that, that was exciting because uh, even when they drafted Mitch Trubisky, that wasn't something that I think the fan base really got excited about. Like it was like, oh, cool. Like they traded up. Everyone got excited for like thirty seconds when we thought we were getting Deshaun Watson, and then they took Mitch Trubisky, and you just like felt the entire fan base in Chicago deflate. It's like, oh, all right, you just kind of really rally behind him or. Justin Fields, he just has that it factor where people want to root for him. So that was really cool. I mean, that was probably the highlight of the last year as a Bears fan was them drafting Justin Fields, and it's just kind of been downhill from there. So when you said that, what went well for the Bears? I started looking, and across almost every single offensive metric you can imagine, points per game, yards per game, uh, third down, fourth down conversion rates, red zone numbers, touchdowns, efficiency, specialty metrics, turnovers, penalty, time of possession – there wasn't a single metric that the Bears as a team ranked in the top 10 in besides run rate where they finished ninth. So I guess that's like the one thing you could say they kind of committed to go. the run in comparison to other teams. That's like the one thing that they did well. But really, I mean, it was just a terrible year. This was a complete throwaway year for the Chicago Bears. Um, I mean, what they did well, I guess, was on defense. As usual, that was the silver lining here. Uh, but they just weren't as dominant as they've been in the last few years. Uh, Robert Quinn had a fantastic season. It seems oh, like he's yeah. one of those weird guys where the only trend you could see is like every other year he does really well. So we could expect him to have a very down 2022 season if that trend continues. But Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, those guys are all on the wrong side of 30 years old now. And what happened is they are all on the line. They're all pass rushers. So teams adjusted really quickly in the year because we started getting great pressure on the quarterbacks. And by the end of the year, opponents dropped back to, uh, to pass against the Bears 52% of the time, which was the lowest rate in the league. So they realized that if you drop back to pass, you're going to have Robert Quinn, Akeem, Akeem Hicks, and Khalil Mack down your throat within seconds. So they just adapted and they started running the ball. And we couldn't really do much to stop the run. So we just had teams running up and down on us all season long, which was pretty tough to see. Um there just really wasn't much that we did well. You know, Darnell Mooney, he showed some splashes, and, you know, it's easy to get excited about Darnell Mooney. You know, 1,000 yards as a second-year receiver is very exciting, but a lot of that was because Allen Robinson was hobbled all season. He wasn't really his full self. And when you look at the competition, you know, somebody has to step up. In so many of these games, we were playing from behind and forced to pass the ball. 
And when the options are Jakeem Grant, Demir Bird, or Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney is going to look like a stud. Realistically, though, I don't know if he has that wide receiver one potential that people are really talking about him right now. Um, I think that we're going to have to bring in somebody to uh, replace Allen Robinson, which is unfortunately going to just, you know, the the, the floor is going to fall out from underneath Darnell Mooney. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was really tough to find what we did well this year um, outside of, you know, Robert Quinn's kind of sporadic season with all those sacks and Darnell Mooney putting up a thousand yards, seeing some flashes from Justin Fields. I mean, he had a few plays that just absolutely made your jaw drop where he, oh, yeah. he was able to scramble or, or throw a 66 yard pass downfield just with a flick of the wrist, like nothing. Um, and, and there were flashes, but there wasn't anything that they were able to consistently do that, uh, that, that we were able to get excited about. Yeah. You know, that's, but at the very least, quarterback of the future that's an important thing to get out of the way also kind of going into the running back thing khalil herbert that's somebody that i really liked in my you know rookie evaluation process last year because i mean david montgomery also you know very good in his own right but hey you know you hit on a guy to have behind him that's super neat but then the darnell mooney thing is one of the two things i think i'm particularly interested in that and also maybe the potential of cole Komet looking forward but i'll save that for a little bit later the Mooney thing, you know, and that's something that, you know, it came up in a, a group chat discussion that we were having earlier today, Dave. Uh, and, you know, that's, I don't know, I kind of want to, you know, throw it over to Pat and then I'll throw it back to you for, you know, kind of expanding upon it. But the stance that I took is that what we saw from Darnell Mooney this year was enough to instill confidence that he can be like, okay, this guy's a solid wide receiver three that could potentially pop up into wide receiver two in the ceiling. Everything I was kind of expecting for him this year as somebody that I kind of had pegged as like a little bit of a sleeper, but not, you know, nothing huge. Like, I don't know. Pat, are you kind of with the whole like this guy's good, but he's not a superstar thing? Or do you possibly think that this guy could be? Because I mean, I don't know. I guess it's kind of important to address not only for redraft, but even dynasty managers who roster Darno. Like, what are you kind of doing with them? How are you kind of viewing them? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I like him a lot. I think I've got him at like wide receiver 30 to 33 or something for next year. Um, if anything, that feels too low to me. Like, I, I mean, I really like, I, I think he's good. I don't know if he has wide receiver one potential, but I don't think I'm ready to rule that out yet. Like, I mean, he's Ooh. like, we saw a little, like I, I even saw a little physicality to his game this year, which was kind of cool. Like there were a couple of times he like broke tackles to, to, you know, run after the catch. Like he's not just a pure lid lifter guy, which is good. Like, I think there's some versatility to his game. Um, so I like him a lot. And uh, Oh, just when you were talking about the quarterback thing, Dave, like I, I was with bears fans when they drafted Trubisky and I was with bears fans when they drafted fields the fields was a celebration like when they moved in made that trade to get him like my bears fans friends were just you know going crazy they were ready to pop champagne they were pissed when they took trubisky like they wanted deshaun watson they wanted yeah. anyone else they hated the trade with san francisco they didn't mm -hmm. feel good about trubisky um who's gonna start somewhere next year by the way that's that's yep. the funny thing like the I musical see that, yeah yeah, like uh, the musical chairs at quarterback in the NFL. Like there aren't enough chairs anymore. Mitch is going to start for someone next year. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think he got a tough shake in Chicago with 
you know, offensive coordinator changes. And, you know, I don't think he ever really got a fair shake in Chicago. Um, I mean, everything that I've read from Buffalo is that he was just a consummate professional, just absolutely crushed it in practices. And um, the, uh, the, the GM, Drawing a blank right now. Is it Billy Bean, right? Or is yes, some, uh, something Brand, Brandon Bean. Yeah, Brandon there we go. Bean. That's <laughs> it. Brian Bean. What something? Yeah, but but he said, um, you know, he deserves to start in the NFL, and if not, he's got a job waiting for him in Buffalo. We will gladly bring him back. So I think Trubisky deserves another shot because you know now that Matt Nagy has kind of become the laughing stock of the NFL, I think people are you know more prone to put those mistakes on Nagy's shoulders than Trubisky. So I think that he'll start again. But back to Darnell Mooney. I think what's happening right now is his his hype train is just catching a little bit too much steam. And that's why I'm getting a little bit nervous. I was looking uh, today on Keep Trade Cut, which is consensus rankings. You know, they kind of crowdsource everything. Every time you go on the website, you have to keep trade cut something. And that's how they shake out their rankings. And in the last 30 days, Darnell Mooney has risen eight spots. Ooh. He is now ahead mm. of Marquise Brown. He's ahead of Chase Claypool. Oh. He's ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, Amari oh. Cooper. And you, know, you can make an argument for Hopkins oh. or Cooper given their age, but when you're looking at guys like Chase Claypool and, and Marquise Brown who have a few years, I mean, Claypool has had some, some, you know, didn't have the best 2021 campaign. Yeah, I know. I have a guy like Marquise <laughs> Brown who has had, you know, some great seasons, first round draft capital, all that. I just can't really get behind it. And, and then I checked over on Dynasty Trade Calculator to get an idea of what his value is. And right now they're saying that Darnell Mooney's value is equivalent to a late first round pick. So if I can get a first round rookie pick for Darnell Mooney, I'm doing that in an absolute heartbeat. And, and, and another thing is that I think that once the Bears make the inevitable move of bringing in another wide receiver, you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Michael Gallup, Juju Smith-Schuster, all these free agent wide receivers available. Darnell Mooney is currently the only Bears wide receiver under contract for next year. So whether they draft somebody in round two or three, whether they sign a free agent wide receiver, we're going to see his value dip now. So I think there's an opportunity to cash in right now while his value is at its peak because after the draft, after free agency, I expect it to dip a little bit. Yeah, that's just sound process, man. I mean, honestly, anytime because and people talk about it all the time in Dynasty, like a little bit of it is kind of, you know, doing the whole play in the stock market thing. So if people are really going to think that highly, then of course you should. And sorry for being a little snippy with my Chase Claypool comment, but I know it was a frustrating year. I know. I know it was. It's just like, I wish he would just stop doing some goofy shit. Even with with Claypool's frustrating season, though, I still have Claypool ranked ahead of uh, Darnell Mooney and and Darnell Mooney I think that he was a product of just being the best guy in a wide receiver room with very soft talent so he was able to exceed a little bit but at the end of the day when you look at Chase Claypool's profile I mean he's just got the tools and I think that uh, you know if he gets somebody that doesn't have an arm that's about to to fall off of his body you know no disrespect meant to Ben Roethlisberger I think that we're going to see Chase Claypool play a little bit better with a new quarterback. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I mean, like (laughs) the AFC North episode comes in a couple weeks and I'm really not looking forward to talking about my Steelers. My my guy, Michael Salfino of The Athletic, referred to uh, Chase Claypool. He said, all tools and no toolbox. And that might be the case. (laughs) I agree with Michael Latt, too. I I really like Mike. He's got some pretty solid takes out there. Yeah, but like I I know. I mean, like, how can it not work out with a dude that big and that fast and that – but man, that dude does. He is a head case, though. He is yeah. a head case, and and like you know, he's Mooney is not like a diva type, which I kind of like about him. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he there. He's already posting videos with him and Justin Fields, you know, working out. 
you know, weeks after their season ended, they were already out working out together. So you like to see that. But let, let's talk about what happened poorly with the Bears. Um, I don't want to talk go. about it too much. I feel like trying to say what went well with the Bears turned into what went poorly with the Bears. But I just want to yeah. highlight a few things. We already talked about it. You know, Matt, Matt Nagy became the joke of the NFL. I mean, uh, he kind of had been for a few years, but it really hit a tipping point this year. Um, Allen Robinson, you know, he was nursing that injury. And, and I don't even know how injured he really was. We talked about it when we were mentioning Devontae Adams a little bit. I think a lot of it had to do with him not wanting to play for the Bears. And I talked about this in the offseason in an article that I wrote over at Football Guys. I said, you know, there are some underlying tensions here between Allen Robinson and the Bears that shouldn't be ignored. Um, and he's never been the guy to, you know, like, like we said, the word diva. I wouldn't classify Allen Robinson as a diva. I mean, he is a grinder that shows up and just does his thing. He kind of used his agent as a mouthpiece for him in the offseason, and his agent made it very, very clear that he was unhappy here. And then we started seeing some kind of weird cryptic tweets and, you know, him liking things about how Allen Robinson deserves better. And that raised a red flag for me in the offseason. I don't know if he was fully hurt. I think a lot of it had to do with him just being really unhappy with the team situation and not wanting to play there. So that was extremely disappointing, knowing that we had $18 million committed to him and got, you know, half of a season where he was playing at half speed. But really, I think one of the biggest things um, that, that that bothered me with Matt Nagy this year was how he was using Justin Fields. You know, you trade up in a draft, you give away a lot of draft capital to take, to take Justin Fields, and then you're just going to consistently sit there in press conferences and say, Andy Dalton is our guy. I just could not get behind that whatsoever. I mean, he was out there. I don't know if you thought he was Brian Flores with, with Tua, just yo-yoing him on and off the bench. But, you know, that that's how you can really break down a young quarterback's confidence. And and I think that, uh, you know, Justin Fields has the mindset that it's not going to bother him. But, you know, that's kind of what happened with Trubisky was he was mishandled earlier in his career. And you saw it. It started to, you know, just get into his psyche and his mentality and his confidence. Um, I, I think Justin Fields is a little bit different. but. That bothered me a lot, the way that Matt Nagy was kind of using him and, and putting Andy Dalton ahead of him. But a few things that I wanted to call out, I, I was looking through some of the metrics. 27th in points per game. This is the Bears as a whole. 27th in points per game, 24th in yards per game, 27th in yards per play, 32nd in third down conversion rate, 28th in fourth down conversion rate, Ugh. 30th in red zone, sco red zone scoring. Just about oh. every offensive team metric that you can look at, the Bears were ranked in the bottom five. They were also third worst in turnovers, led the league in interception rate and sack rate. Oh. Justin Fields averaged a fumble oh. per game. Oh. They were bottom 10 in every penalty metric you can imagine. So, so much of this has to do with coaching. Um, you know, we, we knew that a lot of the players didn't like Nagy. And I think that, you know, it just showed on the field with sloppy play. So I'm hoping that bringing in these new guys, uh, you know, Eberflus and um, uh, Luke Getze, Alan Williams, I'm hoping these guys could just tighten things up a little bit so we don't have those stupid mistakes that are losing games for us next year. Yeah, and let's talk about some of those new guys because I think, you know, it's somewhat of a, I don't know how much of a tradition, quote unquote, per se, but I guess more of like a tendency is the word that I would use. Whenever you kind of get rid of like an offensive minded coach, you tend to go defense and, you know, vice versa, you know, you get rid of the defensive coach, you go offense. Matt Eberflus coming over from the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, like, and even you were talking about, you know, some of the run game deficiencies in terms of, you know, the defense. I think that's going to be an immediate fix right away. But I think more importantly is who they're trusting 
you know, the development of Justin Fields with, you know what I mean? So just any kind of more thoughts on how those guys are really going to come in and what type of tangible changes you think they can make and you're kind of hoping are going to, you know, play out as we look ahead into 2022 with the new coaching staff? Well, it seems like Eberflus is taking the approach of, uh, you know, being a little bit more hands-off with the offense, setting, stepping back and letting Getsy really take control. So that was actually something, a question that I had for Pat. Um, you know, he, he came from Green Bay, so... What do you think about this Luke Getze hiring? I mean, do you think this is somebody he didn't have to develop Aaron Rodgers? He came in when Aaron Rodgers already had MVPs <laughs> yeah. under his belt. So that makes me a little bit nervous because we saw with, you know, Josh McDaniels taking credit for Peyton Manning and things like that. And it makes me a little bit nervous that Getze was kind of, you know, gifted with a, you know, just, just a silver platter and then got all the credit for it. Yeah. You just, I mean, you just totally mentioned it, Dave, like there's no way to know what gets like how he's going to do with this when you're the quarterback's coach for a guy who's basically his own quarterback's coach, you know, was he, <laughs> was he, uh, you saw you know, Jordan love Jordan love didn't look ready to play when he hit the field this year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, was, it was, uh, gets job to like, figure out whether Aaron wanted cream or sugar with his coffee in the morning. Like, uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about him. Like uh, must've interviewed well, must've like clearly outlined some ideas. Like I'm, I'm sure he's not an idiot. Um, you know, that's pretty faint phrase, I guess, but uh, yeah. So we, we don't know, like coming from that job, you just don't know. Yeah. And I got to say what was interesting in the introductory press conference for the GM, Ryan Poles, and the new coach, Matt Eberflus, they wouldn't answer any questions about personnel whatsoever. Um, hmm. Even when asked about Justin Fields, you know, their answer was very cut and dry. You know, we have to evaluate every single player on this roster. And, you know, I mean, you, what I wanted to hear, and I think what a lot of Chicago fans wanted to hear was, we've got the future of the franchise in Justin Fields. We need to do whatever yes, we can to make sure that he is set up for success. And we didn't get that. There was one player whose name was brought up organically, and that was David Montgomery. And what they did was they talked about David Montgomery's leadership and how he, you know, sets the tone on the offense. That was the only name that was organically brought up by these new guys. So I'm a little bit concerned, if I'm being honest, about the the new coaching staff. But, you know, we got to talk about what changes need to be made for the Bears next season. This is the first time in Bears history that they are going from week one of one season to week one of the next season with a new head coach, new GM, new starting quarterback. That's assuming that they don't bring Andy Dalton back. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to be there, but new head coach, new GM, new quarterback. So that's kind of exciting. And they're making the changes that they need to. Um, I guess the one thing that I'd hope for is they could find a way to unload Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson. Those guys have some heavy contracts. Next year alone, those three guys have a $62.4 million cap hit. So right now we're already kind of in a hole by trading for Justin Fields. We don't have a first round pick this year. Um, I'm hoping that they can acquire some draft capital for these guys and open up the salary cap because the way it looks right now, we've got less than $50 million heading into free agency and 29 roster spots to fill. So they're going to have to do some salary cap magic to, to, you know, fill those spots. Oh, geez. And also like, wouldn't it be kind of fun if they were able to, you know, finagle enough, you know, to be able to acquire some draft capital to pair Justin Fields with one of his old college teammates? Because I know we, we mm. talked about some of those names earlier, you know what I mean? Like, hey, they're looking for, exactly, like, you know, they're looking for receiver. There's some stuff. And, like, I think the passing game in particular is something that I'm sure you agree with. This is, like, you know, kind of a big question mark on how they're going to fill in. 
which, you know, kind of carries over, you know, and I'll bring it up again, you know, my little question about Cole Komet, because I think on an annual basis, we're all very bad at picking the sleeper tight end. <laughs> but, Always. you know, if, if I remember correctly, we're finally going to be rid of Jimmy Graham, presuming they're going to go ahead and, you know, address the wide receiver position at some point. Because like you said, you know, like it's Arnold Moody can't do it by himself. Fine receiver, but, you know, for him to be like the, you know, quote-unquote alpha guy, which a term I really don't like using, by the way, but that's a discussion for a different day. But regardless, like, how do you see that shaking out, bro? Because, like, like that's not only in real life, but also, I mean, for fantasy purposes, like, who he, who Justin Fields is going to be throwing the ball to is going to be extremely important. Because the run game, we already established, that's going to be fine. We know who it is. But the passing shit, I, you know, what's I, mean, up? I, I like Cole Komet, and he is still so young for a tight end, 22. I mean, yeah, we yeah. talk about age curves all the time, and tight ends have the broadest age curves. Like you were talking about Mercedes Lewis is still out here catching touchdowns at 38 years old. You know, Gronkowski just had one of his better seasons in his mid thirties. So um, I, I, I understand being patient with tight ends and this kid is still so young and you know, I got to admit, there's nothing that he's done that has really wowed me, but he is just very technically sound. He does everything he's supposed to. Um, you know, he's a crisp route runner. He's good at blocking. He kind of does it all. As far as fantasy purposes, I've got him as a high-end tight end two, assuming Jimmy Graham isn't gone. And that's because Jimmy Graham would just gobble up so much of the red zone work. And it was so frustrating to see uh, if you were rostering Komet. But I think that's kind of where he fits in is like tight end 14, 15. All right. All right. I take the vibe. I take the vibe, man. You know, and before we carry over into me discussing the Minnesota Vikings as the de facto Minnesota Vikings fan, for the purposes <laughs> of this show, at least, uh, kind of like the same thing I asked Pat, just, you know, kind of like brief overview, you know, because you just talked about where you have commit just broadly as it stands now, it doesn't have to be super rigid. Where are you at on fields? Where are you at on Mooney? Where are you at on Montgomery? Just like key pieces, just kind of throw it out there. What are you feeling? Yeah. So I've got, I got fields and Trey Lance side by side. I think that their skill sets are just so similar. Um, So I have both of them as low end QB ones. I've got them at 11 and 12 right now. Um, We already talked about Cole Komet. I've got him as a high end tight end too. Uh, David Montgomery, he's kind of a weird one. I'm, I'm probably a little bit lower than him on the consensus. I've got him as a middling RB2, but when looking at the running backs next year, they look shockingly deep. I mean, we have had over the last three years a lot of very good running backs coming into the league. So it's just, it's it's tough. I mean, even when you're looking through the rankings, I mean, even getting like Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott into RB2 range is tough to do right now. So David Montgomery, you know, this isn't disrespectful to him putting him in that middling RB2 range, but next year it just looks like we're going to be pretty deep at running backs. Um, Darnell Mooney, we talked about it. I've got him as a, um, you know, it's so tough to even talk about Darnell Mooney right now because they are going to have to bring in five or six new wide receivers and are those going to be the cheapest available guys or are they going to trade up in the draft and try to get you know somebody else so it's tough with Darnell Mooney where it stands right now I've got him as a you know kind of midding mid wide receiver too but if any of those big six free agent wide receivers come in uh you know I'm, I'm immediately knocking him in a wide receiver three range I dig it I dig it 100 percent all right, so we got the Packers, we got the Bears. That's what's up. Now we transition into the Minnesota Vikings, which I took upon myself because I felt as though, you know, two really wonderful things about this, uh, especially for me not being a fan of the team. Uh, one, not a whole heck of a lot is changing, so there's not really a whole lot to go into in terms of, you know, looking ahead for the most part. But, you know, like what went well, I mean, 
Dalvin Cook went well when he was healthy, and even when he wasn't healthy, Alexander Madison went well. And whenever something else weird happened, Kenny Ongwangwu looked okay, and he went well. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen also went well. Kirk Cousins went well. The offense went well. The offense went well. That's just, and I don't think a lot's really going to change with the offense in terms of like you know who's going to be an impact player per se. But a lot's going to change insofar as Mike Zimmer's gone and now Kevin O'Connell getting the job, you know, the offensive coordinator for the Rams. I mean, the new hire, you know, I know a lot of people were sitting there thinking, ah, oh, Jim Harbaugh is going to waltz and he's easily going to get that because the new GM, the connection they had back in their days in San Francisco, like, you know, it seems like a slam dunk. But from everything that I understand, Kevin O'Connell came in and really just like won that job. It was just like, hey, yo, like we really love what's going on. But, you know, so there's that. I'll kind of get a little bit more into that as we look forward. But what went poorly is like, well, I mean, the defense, they're still going to need to, you know, keep fixing that. I believe their secondary, the top, like, couple cornerbacks they've drafted in recent years, like, I don't think either of them are on the team anymore. Was it, uh, like, the guy from Central Florida is no longer on the team? They have a really hard time fixing that. That defense is going to be, you know, kind of a work in progress for a while. I think they'll kind of address that in the draft at some point and just the defense as a whole, but in particular looking forward and I will open it back up to you too, but Kevin O'Connell coming in is interesting, especially because he comes from, you know, and we've seen it a lot recently, you know, like the dolphins just hired somebody from the McVeigh Shanahan, you know, twin trees that stand next to each other. You know, we've seen these guys, hell, Zach Taylor is going to be in the Super Bowl. Like by the time you're hearing this, the Super Bowl has already happened, but like, Seriously, like these guys are getting plucked from these trees and being planted in these different cities. So what I think is particularly interesting about O'Connell is that there has been criticism of Mike Zimmer for a really long time for just being like, ah, well, they run too much. They run too much. They run too much. It's like, well, shit, bro. What if, what if O'Connell kind of gives us a little bit of that McVeigh? And like the Rams run plenty. Anybody from that tree. Yeah. yeah, Like they, they all run plenty, but it's just like the passing attack. I don't know. We'll get like, larger in terms of volume because i believe the vikings were still top 10 in passing attempts but i feel as though the scheme will be better i know a lot of the disciples from those systems like to do well especially the mcveigh stuff the three wide receiver sets particularly interest me so i guess broadly my kind of questions are and i'll start with this one here's my pet theory i think at some point throughout the draft or in free agency or whatever they try to find kind of the heir apparent to the Adam Thielen thing for the future. But I think there could be an interesting group of three wide receivers to really be interesting there. Cause I don't think a combination of Tyler Conklin or Irv Smith jr. Who we didn't see really at all last year is going to be relevant. I'm kind of throwing Vikings tight ends to the wayside for fantasy purposes. And I'm really focusing on how this passing attack is going to work at the receiver. So I'll start with you, Pat, and then we'll work, just pass it off to Dave. Where are we kind of viewing this Vikings passing game? And do you agree that potentially we could kind of see them address that position? Because I think it logically makes sense. Yeah. So um, first of all, I don't think O'Connell is going to be able to uplift uh, Kirk Cousins any higher than he is already. Like, I think Cousins is maxed out. I, I think Cousins is a pretty mediocre quarterback masquerading as like an average to above average quarterback. Um Jefferson's amazing. Uh, you know, like one of the top people have either Jefferson or Chase atop their boards for Dynasty is like one or two, justifiably so. He's he's fantastic. Um 
And as far as Thielen goes, I like I think we're going to continue to see sort of the the decline and like the yards per target has started to slip. There have been like kind of signs of slippage. It's like he's not going to be a volume guy anymore. Uh, maybe he can still like maximize the touchdowns. But um, K.J. Osborne was sort of interesting. Um you know, kind of a low level guy for fantasy, a, a guy who, you know, maybe in your typical 12 team, 16 round draft gets like, you know, kicked around as a, a 15th or 16th round possibility. Um, yeah. But when Thielen missed KJ Osborne stepped into that role. He did. He did pretty nicely. That's... He looked really good in the games. Thielen didn't play. Yeah. But I mean, so Thielen, Thielen does have years left on his contract, I think, right? More, mm-hmm. more than one. He does, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, the principles in this off. And uh, Amir Smith-Marset wasn't bad either. There you go. Spots. There it is. I, I think I like, talk about. The, the passing game's going to kind of look pretty similar, right? Like I you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to draft yeah. someone. I, I think, you know, they've got offensive line issues. They need to address more oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the offense is going to look pretty similar. And I think like O'Connell even, um, you know, he's not going to change the, the zone blocking system too much. Like yeah. if Harbaugh would have come in, like I probably would have knocked down Dalvin cook some, cause I think mm-hmm. it would have been a whole new scheme and, um, now I, I think it's going to be pretty seamless as far as that goes. I guess like as far as kind of like my pet theory goes was just more or less based on the fact that, you know, McVeigh himself and also just disciples of McVeigh have kind of trended in the whole like, you know, they, they like to do a lot of three wide receiver stuff. So I kind of figured maybe not like super early in the draft, but maybe like a third, fourth, fifth round pick type of guy. If there's a receiver that falls, maybe they could be interesting, but it's just, I don't know. I I, I could be. I could be I, wrong. I, I think they're they're pretty happy. Um, I I, I had a show with uh, Arif Hassan, who's a Vikings beat reporter, not too long ago, and you know I was hoping that he was going to say good things about Amir Smith Marset because I'm such a big fan of him, and he said that the entire coaching staff, the players, everybody is just enamored with him, and he said he expects him to take a pretty big step forward this year. So, um, I, I understand what you're saying with the three wide receiver sets, but it wouldn't shock me if they start limiting uh, Adam Thielen's snaps just a little bit because he is. You know, being picking up these nagging injuries now over the last couple of years. What he's 31, 32 years old now, and they've yeah. got a lot of good talent. You know, with Amir Smith, Marset, KJ right. Osborne, even BC Johnson, who we haven't even mentioned yet, is solid in his own right. So they have a lot of depth at wide receiver, and it wouldn't shock me to see them start rotating some of these guys in and see who can do the most damage on offense. I like it. I like it. Okay. See, and that's why I like, you know, doing these types of things early in the off season, because now working out the pet theory, seeing that, you know, maybe it's not quite there. I'm going to have to pick a new pet theory to work on, you know, pet a little bit, but okay. So I guess kind of like looking ahead with them, like, I mean, we've mentioned the name a couple of times and the fact that he is getting older, Adam Thielen. We heard this a lot this past year where a lot of people were really starting to get out on him. Cause it's like, ah, he's getting older doing the whatever, but then, you know, the touchdown explosion is really what made him super good. That is what made him super good for the last three years. Exactly. So it's like, you know, like (laughs) at a certain point, the regression has to occur. Right. You know, and I guess shit, you know, kind of the, the ship did not sink per se this past year. Are we to assume that 2022 is probably going to be the year that we end up seeing that? And I guess, you know, we mentioned a couple of names. Who do we see stepping up? And then also just, you know, to throw it in there, 
does anything change in the run game? I feel like we kind of have the answer to that already, but I don't know. We'll pass it to Dave first and then down to Pat. What are you kind of thinking as far as that goes? I mean, I, I think the one thing to pay attention to in the run game that we haven't brought up yet, and you know, I don't know how this situation is going to play out, but it seems like so many people forgot about it, that Dalvin Cook had those really sketchy legal issues that popped up mm-hmm. in what was that November or December. And it really got swept under the rug pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. It looks like there was some pretty damning evidence against Dalvin cook. So there's still a lot of time before week one where, you know, more evidence can come out or this can go into court. So I, I don't want to get too far ahead, you know, saying that that could happen, but if it does, you know, where Dalvin cook gets suspended or as a missed time or anything like that, um, you already mentioned it. I mean, Alexander Madison is basically a carbon copy of Dalvin Cook. He could step right in and put up similar production. And then Kenny Nuanga, man, that kid is so fun to watch. He just had, you know, the incredible spark score and all that coming out of college. And we saw it on the kick returns last year. Didn't see a lot of damage out of the backfield, but what he did on special teams was unbelievable. And I think that he's got all of the makings to be a premier running back in the league. He had a couple carries and it did. It like, just looks like the dude's been shot out of a cannon. He just like, he has some juice, man. Like, I think, uh, man, like I'm, I've got him already on two dynasty rosters and I'd love to just like get him as a throw in in some other deal. Like, you know, where, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of working for something else and some bigger fish, but like, yeah. So you give me this and throw in Kenny Wong. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, he's, he's pretty exciting, but, um, yeah. So as Dave mentioned, I mean, Madison is like, my theory on handcuffing has always been that you don't generally don't do it until November. Like you're, you're trying to, you want to spread your bets and take other shots. That's the one guy like I'll (laughs) handcuff like in September. I don't care, man. Like, cause if cook's going to get hurt, at some point and Dave mentioned the legal issues maybe that comes into play too but I mean you want Madison as that one for one replacement because he goes in and immediately gets a workhorse role and becomes hugely valuable so he's got even if I don't have Delvin Cook I feel like I for the last few years I just reach for Alexander Madison even if I don't have Delvin Cook because you stash him on your bench and you know that you're getting you know three or four running back one weeks out of him yeah it's a lottery ticket, you know, is going to hit at some point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, man, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that this is, uh, this is a topic that came up because this is actually something that I discussed with my normal co-host on this show, like over the summer, and I was taking the pro Madison stance. So just to be, you know, further validated, months and months later, and <laughs> my belief that this guy is that good as just like the elite handcuffs, because you know, if if you missed that episode. I don't know, go back in your Apple podcast or Spotify feed or whatever and find it. Also, leave us a five-star review on Twitter, at the lateral FF, please. But, you know, like, just, oh, he's he's so good. I, I don't know. So the same thing that, you know, we all kind of did for, you know, your respective teams in terms of how I kind of look at these guys moving forward. Like, Kirk Cousins is a dude, like, I could probably see him, you know, being ranked kind of like closer to around where he finished. But I do like I mean, the touchdown to interception ratio is going to be extremely difficult for him to replicate just because it was such an efficient year for him. And, you know, you both kind of mentioned it. And also me living in the Washington DC area. I've seen plenty of Kirk cousins in my life. <laughs> he is not, <laughs> he's good. He's good. He is good, but that's it. I'm not even going to go very good. I'm not going to go great. Like not even going to add an adjective. He's good. He's one of the best 32 32- quarterbacks in the league 
Yes, of course. You know? <laughs> so I, I will defend his averageness and ability to not fuck things up unless it's prime time. So <laughs> outside of prime time, yeah, I feel like Kirk Cousins is probably going to be viewing him the same way. Unless they, unless he needs to beat like a four and twelve Giants team to get Washington into the playoffs oh. on a Sunday night game. Oh, 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 clearly. Oh man. Good the, the one last thing I want to add about the Vikings oh, yeah. before Go we move on yeah. is I was so disappointed this year uh, when Kirk Cousins did have to miss that game, and I, I think it was COVID. I can't even remember exactly. Yeah, it was. But yeah. I wanted to see what Kellen Mond had so badly. Um, I mean, we saw this kid. He's got a freaking bazooka. And I was hoping that after, because that was late in the season, I want to say it was week 12 or 13 or something like that. I was hoping that they would have enough confidence to roll him out because I wanted to see that kid get an opportunity. And uh, it makes me a little nervous knowing that they had an entire offseason and almost a full season to develop him. And they still opted to roll out Sean Mannion instead yeah. of Kellen Mond. That, that makes me a little bit nervous for his development because it's I, I, I want to see what that kid can do. It's not a good sign, is it? it is I not. know. I, I've same thing exactly man like oh my god this guy can't beat out sean Mannion. how bad is it right yeah. and like and that's kind of the thing and i remember like i was texting back and forth with uh now the homie mclateral on twitter at mclateral ff boom yeah you guys know who he is listeners out there you're familiar you're familiar with him we, he and i were kind of texting about this you know and me preparing for this and it was just like hey what do you think the vikings are gonna do he was like i think they should just blow it up and see what they have in kellen Mond. and i was like dude <laughs> if anything we saw is any indication we don't want that to happen you know and like mm -hmm. geez but and also just i guess kind of like brief aside like i feel pretty good about their chances of you know restructuring things with kirk cousins i even tweeted about it and the homie scott fish you know came out and he was saying it's just like the understanding of everything he's hearing and reading you know him living out there in that market i have a feeling we're gonna see kirk cousins and you know, under center in 2022. So that's why I didn't bring that up, but that is kind of something swirling. So in case the listeners were like, Hey, Herms, why didn't you mention it? Why? That's, that's why, that's why, that's why I already figured out that answer. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting, but then I don't know. Justin Jefferson is going to be good. Adam Thielen shit. We're going to have to figure it out. That's going to be a larger discussion. And then Dalvin cook. I ah, my running back rankings are so wonky right now. Cause I just don't know what to do. So I'm going to bypass it so we can get into the lions because Holy shit. What went well? I don't know. They played hard. They bit kneecaps and they wiped their own asses. That was pretty good, right? I mean, they were. I guess. I, I guess what went well for them is that they needed uh, a record breaking field goal um, to yeah. throw the game to the Ravens. I yeah. mean, I, I, the, the Lions are fun though, man. I, I do like this team. I think that Dan Campbell's doing a great job with the culture over there. Um, I mean, just. I, I'm not a very sappy person, but like something about every time they would post a video of Dan Campbell talking to the team afterwards in the locker room, like my oh, eyes were well up with tears. Like he is just a leader of men. He's got that entire team rallied behind him. There is something special about Dan Campbell. And and if anybody deserves it, it's the Lions. After what they had to go through through years with Matt Patricia, they deserve a good head coach. And I think they struck gold with Dan Campbell. I fucking love that dude. He's so cool, yeah. man. He just says the weirdest shit, but I'm here for it. And it really seems like he cares about his guys. So yeah. it's like, you know what? For as much didn't go right, there were not very high expectations. But, you know, some of the few things that did, I would say, was really interesting seeing both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams work in tandem there for a while to be able to produce like a two relevant running back backfield for the most part, not throughout the entire year, but it was interesting that they were able to produce a couple of those guys. And then also, you know, 
Pat, when you had me on your show, <laughs> I'm on Ross St. Brown, the sun yes. god, baby. Yes. yes, holy shit, dude. Oh, but over here at the lateral, <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know exactly how me and McLateral feel about Amon Ross St. Brown. We've been saying it, we were here first, and don't let anybody tell you different. So, ha, ha. but I mean, ugh, that's kind of about it. And I will kind of tie it into a little bit of looking forward because part of what went well was the fact that. Anthony Lynn bringing his, you know, whole thing to their offense, being the offensive coordinator there is what helped going back and like seeing what he was able to do in Buffalo there for a little bit, for, for the most part, his resume with the chargers, that was kind of the thing that was copy and pasted over to the lions. But now he's been poached. He's going to be the assistant head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. He's not there anymore. And the new offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, I believe he was like a hand-picked, you know, Dan Campbell guy. So we're going to see, is the offense that we saw last year more of a product of Anthony Lynn and his influence, or is this something more that like Dan Campbell kind of wanted to do anyway? So like, that is honestly my biggest question mark, because I don't know how we're going to be able to look forward without knowing was that rushing attack a product of the guy who left, or is that something they want to keep doing? So I, either of you if because i don't even know who to ask i don't even know who to ask if, I, I, if one I, I, of you has an answer please tell I, me <laughs> I deandre swift is so easily the best player on that offense it doesn't oh, matter yeah. who the coach is they they have to run the offense through him whether it's on the ground or through the air you have to do whatever you can to get the ball in deandre swift's hands and you know jamal williams he uh i i, I think what we're going to see next year with anthony lynn out of the picture is just more work to DeAndre Swift because we saw it in Los Angeles how frustrating it was if you rostered Austin Eckler in 2020 you know how frustrating it was that he was or I'm sorry 29 or yeah 2020 he wasn't getting the touches that you wanted him to and then we saw it last year with DeAndre Swift where he would be running up and down the field and then they'd get to the goal line and Jamal Williams would come step in and it was frustrating to see I think that if anything you know um Anthony Lynn may have helped their rushing attack as a whole, but I think that he put a cap on DeAndre Swift. I think with Anthony Lynn out of the picture, whoever takes over as the offensive coordinator is going to be a boost to DeAndre Swift. Can I, uh, so I don't know if this is necessarily pushing back on this, but uh, so I agree the, the uh, losing Anthony Lynn is definitely like a good thing for Swift. But now with Herms got and and hat tip to Herms, he did come on my show and like this was just at the dawn of the sun god's rise, like at the end of the 2021 season. Like Herms was just all over him at, at just the right time. And <laughs> exactly. And Amon Ra, like, you know, led guys to fantasy championships towards the end. I mean, he was spectacular. Like does the fact that Hawkinson's going to be back and Amon Ra is going to be there? Like, do we see Swift any less consequential in the passing game? Um, it you know it would be nice to see him get some more of these big carry games because, like, other than that weird game against Pittsburgh where he carried it like thirty three times or whatever, yeah. we haven't seen him carry it more than like sixteen times in any other game. I think. And I know, Dave, you've had thoughts about Hawkinson for a pretty yeah. long time, pretty firm ones, actually. So Yeah, I, I was I was definitely one of the uh, Hawkinson haters last offseason, and it wasn't that I, I didn't think that he was going to put up productive numbers. He did put up productive numbers, and he did exactly what I expected to. Um, the one tweet I had that really blew up with Hawkinson, it got like, you know, 200,000 impressions or something like that. Everybody was sharing it. 
And I kind of cracked the joke. I said, if you want a guy that's going to get you four catches for 45 yards every single week, I got the guy for you, TJ Hawkinson. And that is almost exactly what he finished the year at. And I mean, he, I, I just don't think that he has that game-breaking upside. He doesn't have the Travis Kelsey, the the George Kittle, the Kyle Pitts. He doesn't get the yards after the catch. He's not somebody who's going to get 10, 12 targets every single game. He's going to get you four catches and 45 to 50 yards every single week. And if you're happy with that, that's great. But people were paying up in a fifth, sixth round of their draft for him. And I thought that was just asinine because really the difference between him and the low-end tight end ones wasn't really that big of a difference. But – I'm almost nervous to say this because, uh, you know, I know you guys like Amonra St. Brown a little bit, but I looked at his splits the other day, and what I'm seeing right now is almost a direct parallel between Amonra St. Brown's rookie season and Brandon Ayuk's rookie season. Brandon Ayuk got off to a slow start, and then at the end of the season crushed it when George Kittle and Debo Samuel were injured. Well, if you look at Amonra St. Brown's splits, when Swift and Hawkinson were healthy in 11 games, he had 4.7 targets, 3.5 receptions, 32 yards per game. Terrible. I mean, that's not startable in fantasy. We're talking 32 yards per game and 3.5 receptions. In the six games that Swift and Hawkinson missed, he saw 11.2 targets, 8.5 receptions, 93.3 yards per game. So I, I do like him on St. Brown. He was somebody that I was, you know, thought that had, I, I thought he dropped way further in the NFL draft than he should have. But you've got to, got to look at it that a lot of his opportunity or a lot of his production at the end of the year came when the two biggest weapons on the team were out. And that's exactly what we saw with Brandon Ayuk in 2020 with uh, Debo and Kittle out. So it does make me a little bit nervous for Amonra St. Brown because he wasn't able to command that elite target share when Swift and Hawkinson were on the field with him. Man, why you got to do me like that? Why do you got to hurt me with facts? <laughs> sorry, I'm why sorry. do you have to hurt me with things that are true? You know, I'm but... just saying, I mean, he's he's another guy that I have been, you know, saying is a pretty strong sell, Um, in, in especially in Dynasty. I think he's probably, I don't, I don't think people are going to be going crazy for him in redraft. I think he's probably going to be getting drafted probably in the 10th, 12th round, and I think it's pretty fair there. But I see a lot of people right now in Dynasty are pushing him up into the 5th, 6th round and, you know, saying that he's, you know, an elite wide receiver, that he's got wide receiver one potential, and I just don't see that with him. That's yeah. wild. I mean, like all these dudes, like Hawkins and Swift and St. Brown can potentially cannibalize each other. And I don't think it's out of the question that they're going to add an outside receiver to the mix. There it too. is. Right. Quintez Cephas comes back from injury. Yep. Um, and yeah, so like that's the problem. And it's still, you know, it's either going to be what Jared Goff or maybe they draft someone behind Jared Goff. Um and even if they do, like that guy, like they're committed financially so much to golf that like he right. would have to suck to epic proportions, which is possible. <laughs> but, you know, like and I've heard like, you know, because uh, even like, you know, like uh, the homie Jeff Bell over at Fantasy Pros, I know like he did like a mock draft recently and you know, like there, I, I can't remember. It was either uh, was it like Sam Howell, like Carson Strong or one of those people or whatever. Like that was a team that like in the first like their first pick in the second round like maybe yeah maybe Desmond Ritter or someone like that yeah I think from a fantasy purpose though the only guy that I'm really confident in next year is DeAndre Swift and then you just gotta worry and I mean it sounds so crazy like this is like me just taking my analyst hat off and this is me being a fan of the NFC North and watching the Lions my entire career I don't know what it is if it's the water in Detroit or what but running backs in Detroit cannot stay healthy when you've looked at the guys Mm, that they have drafted in the first and second round over the last 15 years I mean, Javid Vest, Carrion Johnson. 
I don't even have all of them off the top yeah. of my head. Mikel Lashore. Because wasn't Lashore another Achilles. one of the yes. – Yeah, Achilles guys. Well, well, it goes Achilles. on and on and on. I mean, they have drafted – since Barry Sanders, I don't remember all of them, but they have drafted six running backs in rounds one and rounds two, and none of them have done anything. So DeAndre Swift, I mean, he looks really good right now. He's – but, you know, we saw it with the collarbone this year. We saw it two years ago with the concussions. I mean, the injuries are already starting to pile up on him a little bit. Honestly, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they've got these guys, like, rather than some high-end NFL, like, they, maybe they've got these guys going to Planet Fitness for $5 a month. I don't I don't know what it is, but, like, they cannot stay healthy. There is something wrong in Detroit. So he's the guy that I'm most yeah. confident in, but I've also got it in the back of my head that I have been burned by so many Detroit running backs throughout my fantasy football career. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was a Javid Best uh, guy myself. Oh, my um, God. He was electric. The I will say though that you know, fear the curse, but uh Detroit does have a really good freaking offensive line. Oh, yeah. Dula. That's the other one I was thinking of. Oh, Mira there Dula. you go. Oh <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh man. But they, goes they're on line, man, it. with with Decker and, and Ragnow yeah. and Sewell. Like that this is an ass kicking offensive line. Like um another reason to be bullish on Swift, I think. And and the thing everybody talks about the the you know preferred landing spots for quarterbacks everyone talks about denver and pittsburgh and carolina but shouldn't detroit be in that conversation they've got a very good defense they've got a very good offensive line they've got fun weapons they've got draft capital they've got salary cap space why wouldn't you know kirk cousins if he gets traded or Jameis winston on the free agent market why wouldn't some of these quarterbacks want to go play in detroit because really it seemed like the only thing that was holding them back last year was jared goff I mean, dude, you know, it's one of those things. And that's all that's one of my favorite parts about playing Dynasty specifically is, you know, because I mean, like even like this podcast is a little more redraft focused, but for this type, time of year, it's more Dynasty stuff. But I also play Dynasty. These are the type of things that you kind of have to think about because it's it's not always just about, well, what's going to happen next year? Because I know that was a little bit of the premise, but we're looking more than just a year in the future on this show. And then for the rest of the series, as this goes along, we see the direction that they're building it. This happens constantly throughout the NFL where like there, there are casual fans who kind of just look at it in the moment and they're like, ah, this team's trash. You know, it's just, but one man's trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Folks like this is the t- like, dude. Oh my gosh. Especially because, you know, like the draft capital, they already have this year. I assume they're probably going to go edge with the first pick, whether it's like Thibodeau or, you know, Aiden Hutchinson or whatever. Oh, no, they have the second pick. I forgot because Jacksonville found a way. Okay, whatever. Either way, either way. like they're going to get some impact guys to continue to just really build this and build this and build this. So it's like, bro, you know what I mean? That's kind of why, even though like I understand they are going to add other people to the, you know, pass catching core or whatever. I'm still buying on. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I'm not backing down. But either way, like there's a lot to look up for Detroit. And there's a lot looking up for the entire NFC North. And there is a lot looking up in the national football league. And also for this podcast, which has now come to an end for this one. I'm on Twitter at Herms NFL. You already know where to find me. This is my podcast. You already hear me talking up or whatever, but I want to say thank you to the wonderful guests that I've had on this show. Dave Pat, Yes. In that order, tell the people once again, where they can find you. If for some reason they took a nap for the first like five minutes of the episode. Well, this is actually great because now I'm exclusive at Football Guys. Last year, it was like, you can find me here and here and here and here. And on this day, I'm over here. And on this day, I'm here. Next week, I'm doing this over here. But now you can find all my stuff exclusively at Football Guys, footballguys.com. And then you can find me 
on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K-L-U-G-E. Thanks so much for having me, Herms. Always a blast getting to connect with you, man. Yeah, and uh, like Dave, I am monogamous to these days. Uh, just fantasy pros. I uh, can find yeah! my good work there. And uh, the Fits on Fantasy podcast and on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. And uh, like thanks, that. Herms. It's great talking to you, Dave. Great talking to you again. This has been a blast, guys. Of course. Oh, my Lord. Ah, so much fun. Oh, my gosh, yes. You can find me here on The Lateral Show, at The Lateral FF on Twitter. You can find other stuff that I do at Fantasy Pros as well. And then I also do some writing at Football Absurdity and other stuff. I don't know. I'm really bad at ending shows. What do I do? I don't know. Tune in for the next one, maybe. Please, oh, gosh, leave a good review. Oh, I'm so worried about what people think about me. Was this a good end of the show? Was it Follow The Lateral on Twitter at The Lateral FF and be sure to follow Herms on Twitter at Herms NFL. Beep boop.